we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me into the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I just want to say how much I appreciate all the work that has been done in preparation for this meeting, moving all the sound and, and trying to get all of that balanced and right, keep the live stream going. Uh, that's, that's a lot of work and a lot of effort. I appreciate all of the effort there and all of your effort in being here today. We go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number one, a very familiar passage, one that I have preached before and uh, something that I think is fitting for our uh, 81st anniversary. Second Timothy chapter three and verse one, we'll read through chapter four and verse number five. So if you'll read along with me, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I want you to notice a phrase we find actually is just one word. That's the title of this message this morning. In verse number 14, he said, but continue, continue. Uh, we are grateful for God's blessings and faithfulness upon our lives. We are grateful for God's blessings and faithfulness upon our church as we celebrate our 81st anniversary. And as we look forward to whatever time we have left upon this earth, may God help us to be obedient to this command and understand the gravity of this exhortation from the Apostle Paul that we continue. Now, if we as a church are to continue, that means that you as an individual have been exhorted and have been commanded to continue. If you don't continue, then we won't continue. So the message comes to us from a man who was preparing for his execution in a Roman prison, the Apostle Paul. He said, when I'm gone, my race is nearly run. I've kept the faith. I finished my course. Henceforth, he said, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. As he's preparing to be beheaded in that Roman prison, he's encouraging his son in the faith. Paul, as far as we know, did not have a biological son, but he had a spiritual son. In fact, he had many. But this one we believe to be the dearest among them all to him personally, Timothy. He said, Timothy, when I'm gone, continue. Continue. As I've mentioned in this already today, we have many who have already departed from us. They're gone. Their earthly life and their ministry here at Tabernacle Baptist Church has come to an end. They are now with the Lord. But as they leave us, no doubt they would say and have said to us through their lives, continue. Eventually all of us in this room, if the Lord does not come in our lifetime, all of us will depart from this place into His presence. What do we hope the next generation embraces what we've been given and we would exhort them to continue. So what happens in your life, what happens in your home is of utmost importance to the purpose of the kingdom of God and to the security and ministry of this local assembly. Are we going to be here in 20 more years? Are we going to be here in 100 more years? Well, we won't be here, but will others who know Christ be here? Will the witness and testimony 
of the Tabernacle Baptist Church be here. Well, until the Lord comes, I hope that this church is known for being a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. So may God help us to continue. The word continue means this. It means to remain. Just to stay. To tarry. To dwell. To abide. To be present. You know, I have respect for people who just go to a place and stay. Because we live in a world where people are so whimsical and, and, and so fanciful in their notions and, and so easily to be offended and, and moved off course. And, and, and we just sort of wander from place to place. Well, you're never going to accomplish anything of lasting value if that's the way you live your life. You have to learn to go and stay. Paul's desire and prayer for Timothy is that he would continue, that he would abide in the faith. This one who he referred to as a dear child, he was preparing him to be a mature man in ministry. And mature men are not to be carried away. Ephesians 4 and verse 14, Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He was talking to these believers and he was writing to them and said, listen, don't be like little children carried about by every wind of doctrine. Every time you hear something, every time you read something, to, to be pulled away, drawn away from the truth that you know and that you've grown up with. Don't be like a little child be a mature man, as he wrote to the church at Colossae, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. A lot of people in this generation, not grounded, not settled. He said, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. <laughs> You see, Paul knew that Timothy was going to face challenges, that he was going to face threats, that he was going to deal with temptations and trials, but he also knew that the time of Timothy's ministry was of utmost urgency. It was no time to quit. There was no time to fail. I want you to know that the alternative to this thought that we continue is one that we can't even discuss. How could we ever think of quitting in such an hour? How could we ever think of walking away? But God has commanded us that we continue. I want to give you three reasons that we must continue this morning. We'll find them in this text. Number one, the pressure of distressing times. The pressure of distressing times. We are living in distressing times. And the Bible tells us that we can expect that. And now we are experiencing it. Look in verse 1. This know also that in the, would you say the next two words with me? The last days. In the last days. What is that referring to? That Those are the days before the coming of the Lord. In the last days, perilous, that's dangerous times shall come. We're living in dangerous days. We're living in distressing days. Now, there are two perils that are listed for us here. Uh, first of all, we see the peril of selfish devotion. That is a love of self. In verse number two, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. 
We like ourselves. We love ourselves. We love our comfort. We love our prosperity. You, if you want to find out how much we love it, let it get disrupted. For men should be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, that means wanting something that they don't have. Proud, or boasters rather, like to talk about their accomplishments. Proud, blasphemers. I won't go through every term here, but we find them disobedient to parents. Uh, we certainly live in a generation where respect and reverence are a thing that seems to be fading. Unthankful. We live in an entitlement culture. Unholy. Without natural affection. That's why women can rejoice in putting their children to death in the womb and celebrate that's why men can leave the natural use of the woman burning their lust one toward another, as Paul said in Romans 1, without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, no self-control, fierce, angry people. Oh, we live in a world that's angry, don't we? Despisers of those that are good. Anyone who upholds the truth now in this culture is canceled or is seen as a bigot or branded in some way that will be make them a reproach to the society. Traitors, no loyalty, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Paul said that they knowing such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but they rejoice in them. The peril of selfish devotion, the love of self. May that spirit not enter into our hearts, to our homes, and to our church. But we're living in such an age. The, 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 the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar on the plain of Dura. If you want to know what it looks like, look in the mirror. That's what this culture has erected as their God. Then we see the peril of sinister deception in verse number five. Having a form of godliness. Oh yes, we want to be right. We want to be moral. We want to be religious. In fact, there is a new morality today. Did you realize that? Men now call that which is good evil. And that which is evil, according to God, they call good. There is a new religion and a new morality. And if you do not walk in step with the uh, purveyors of such a false religion, then you will face their wrath. But there's a deception that comes with this because it may appear as a form of godliness. In fact, there are many churches that are peddling this new doctrine and this new teaching. But they deny the power thereof. Paul says very, clear, very clearly, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive Silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. How are they characterized, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have a culture that is infatuated with that very thing. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We want to talk about theories and notions and ideas. But theories and notions and ideas are in no way profitable if they do not lead us to the secure ground of the truth whereupon we stand. 
Because if we're not careful, one minute we'll hear one man's opinion and we'll stand in one place and then the next moment we'll be in another place because someone has come along with a new opinion. You see, there is a sinister deception that is taking place. And the Bible tells us that when the Lord comes, the deception will be so strong at that point that if it were possible, the elect would be deceived. May God help us to be discerning Christians. We're living in distressing times. I appreciate what the Word of God says in verse 9, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. I have watched in shock and listened in horror as, as our nation has turned away from the truth of God and adopted things that are illogical, irrational, nonsensical. And in the name of all that we hear of science are totally unscientific. And yet our culture swallows this. Hook, line, and sinker. And if you don't swallow it, then you are banished. You're branded, as I said a moment ago. But we have already began to see what verse 9 tells us. They shall proceed no further. You see, the road that they lead people down is a dead-end road. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men. When you get to the end of the road and it's just a cul-de-sac. Or a dead end. With no fulfillment of the promise that you led them down that road to acquire. Their folly is revealed. We've watched as political leaders have proven their folly. As educational leaders in secular education have proven their folly. It's been manifest unto all men. We're living in a time of selfish devotion and sinister deception and people are under pressure and so are we. What will we do? May God help us to resolve like the three Hebrew boys on the plains of Dura. O king, we will not be careful to answer thee in this matter. We will not worship your, your, your golden image. We will not bow. If we're going to continue today, then we're going to have to continue in the face of the pressure of distressing times. Let me give you a second idea, a second thought we find. Continue with the persuasion of devoted teachers. The persuasion of devoted teachers. Look in verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Paul said, Timothy, I want you to continue because of the pressure of the distressing times, but understand that I have faithfully taught you the truth. I have persuaded you of the truth, the validity of God's Word. You have seen it in demonstration, on display, 
in my life. Look at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Notice this last phrase. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You see, one of the key things, and I hope that our young people will listen. One of the key things in the persuasion of the truth is the relationships that we bear. There was a relationship between Paul and Timothy like a father to a son. If there's anything that Timothy knew, he knew this. He knew that Paul loved him. I think Paul was probably a little bit hard on him at times. I'm sure that Paul didn't back away when he had to say some difficult things. And maybe, maybe he could have softened his speech. I don't know. I'm not here to judge him. What I'm saying to you is that this, may, this relationship was of vital importance in communicating the truth, handing the baton of truth to the next generation. And my admonition to our young people is this. You have to be willing to receive instruction and correction from your parents, from those who are in authority in your life, if you're going to have the truth. What we have today in our culture is, is a group of people who say, well, you know, uh, my parents were rough on me. Everything is categorized as abuse these days. Now, I'm not for abuse. And, and I don't have time to go into all of that unless you want to stay a while. But you're already ready to go and you're hungry and you're going to eat in just a minute. I'm not for abuse, but we understand that the Bible says foolishness is found in the heart of a child. We have a lot of foolish notions and a lot of foolish ideas and, and we need instructors, we need teachers, but we got to be careful who we're listening to. It's not the guy who has the most followers or, or the person who has the most money or the most notoriety. It's the person that you know. You know them. You see their life. They're not perfect by any means, but you know they, they know God and they love Him. It's the person that above all other people on this planet love you. Who know? Why is it that we have this tendency to want to shut those people out and listen to everybody else? I'll tell you why we have that tendency. Because rebellion is in all of our hearts. It's a part of our fallen nature. And Paul is saying, Timothy, there's no reason for you to go listen to the Epicureans and the Stoics and the philosophers and all of those people. There's no reason for you to try to mesh Greek mythology and philosophy and, and, and Roman indoctrination with the gospel of Christ. There's no reason to try to harmonize all of those things to make your message more palatable and, and to make people accept you more or, or to build a bigger congregation. He's saying, no, what you need to do is follow in the pattern and the teaching that you've been given by those people who are devoted to Christ, who are devoted to you, and who are teaching you the truth. Young people, I want you to know you won't find those people outside of the domain of a local New Testament church. 
Now, he had the persuasion of a godly mother. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. By the way, this is where it ought to start. At home. We believe that Timothy's father was a Greek. His mother was a Jew. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 5, he said, when I call, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. There's no pretense to that. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no masquerading. It's genuine. When I, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. Where did it start? It started with grandma. It started with mom. It was in the home. The persuasion of a godly mother. Timothy, don't forget what you were taught, what, what was lived out, what was modeled in your house. Parents, we have a great responsibility to love God and love our children and to teach them the truth. To model this for them, we have a great responsibility. The persuasion of a godly mother. And then there was the persuasion of a godly mentor. Who was that mentor? Well, for, for Timothy, it was Paul. Paul became a father to Timothy. Paul's teaching lodged into Timothy's heart through the instruments of love, character, and instruction. Timothy knew that Paul's gospel was true. He was assured of it. Oh, yes, it was a process, but nonetheless, he was assured of it through the faithful life and testimony of his teacher's in the moment of crisis, what would Timothy do? He would hold to it. He had a godly mentor, one who was proven. Look at verse 10. But thou hast fully known, everything about me has been demonstrated to you, Timothy. Thou hast fully known my doctrine. That's what I believe. My manner of life, the way I conduct myself, my purpose, why I get up in the morning, my faith in the midst of trials, my long suffering and patience with people, my charity, my love, and my patience enduring of circumstances. In fact, in Philippians, he wrote this in Philippians 4, 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. You see, Paul's life was on display. And let me just say this to you. Your life is on display. It's on display at home in the words you use and the way you say and the spirit you have in criticizing fellow church members or leaders. It's, it's on display in what you do when tough times come and financial pressures come. It's on display in the way you conduct yourselves because you reveal to them what's really in the heart. Paul was proven. Paul was persecuted. In verse 11, persecutions. Afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Here's a man who, as he said in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 29, I'll just read this quickly to you. Five times he said, Received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. 
in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. You see, we live in a generation where people quit going to church because somebody hurt their feelings. They heard that somebody said something about them. Or they didn't get the notoriety they thought they deserved. And they were mistreated. And those things happen, and they're unfortunate. But are we going to quit serving God because of that? Are we going to walk away from His church and from His truth because of that? I heard the story recently of a family that was in church and for some reason some offense came and mom and dad got out of church and the kids got out of church and they grew up not hearing the message of the gospel, not hearing what was happening, not, not learning the truth of God's Word, not developing a relationship with Christ. And it comes time for mom and dad to die and they don't know what to do. Why don't they know what to do? How to handle the situation? What's next? Because they haven't been taught the truth. We do our children a great disservice. You see, Paul was proven. He was persecuted. He, he, he demonstrated to Timothy that, yeah, there's going to be some hardships and there's going to be some difficulties. And yes, somebody will say something unkind to you. And yes, somebody will offend you. And yes, you will feel awkward and, and, and embarrassed at times and offended at times. But hey, don't walk away from God. And don't walk away from His church. I'm here to tell you this morning, we need to continue. Because we live in the midst of the pressure of difficult, dangerous times. I'm here this morning to tell you that we need to continue because we have devoted teachers who have gone before us, who have proven that this is true and our hearts are assured because we know them and we know they love us. And now we look beyond this veil into the heavens and there we see them. We're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And I know they're there. And I hope you have that assurance in your heart. Let me give you a third and final thing. May we continue with the proclamation of divine truth. In chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, preach the word. What does the church do? It does something that no one else in this community can do. People in this community can serve this community. They can show love to this community. They can, they can do a lot of things to affect this community for good. But only the church is called the pillar and ground of the truth. That means we have the distinct role of proclaiming God's message. We are to preach the truth. That's why he said in verse 1, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, 
Do you get the profundity of these words and the power of them? Preach the word. That's what we do at Tabernacle Baptist Church. That's what we strive to do at Tabernacle Christian School. To preach the word. We want to reach as many people as God will allow us to reach. And proclaim that message. We do that through the ministry of this church. We do that through the ministry of our Christian school. I have friends who are a bit critical of our position in our school. They believe that their school should be some sterile environment where only mature Christians dwell. Well, look, that doesn't happen in your home or mine. It's a process. And we preach and teach the truth to them. Thank God that he's given us that opportunity. Thank God that we have that opportunity in our church and in our community. We are here to proclaim the truth. We cannot ensure that everyone will receive it, but we can ensure that we preach it by the grace of God. Now, we're, time is winding down. In fact, it's already wound down. But we find in these verses the source of divine truth. Look at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The source of our divine truth is God. This book, the Bible, the Holy Word of God has been given to us by God himself. He breathed it. He inspired human penmen the apostles and the prophets to record for us the truth. He has preserved his word and he has given, delivered to us his word today. We stand on the authority of the scripture, the infallible, inerrant word of God. He's the source. That's why it's authoritative. It is sufficient we see the sufficiency of divine truth. The scripture not only is given by inspiration of God, but it is profitable. It is good for you. For doctrine, that is what we believe. For reproof, that means that there are times when we need to be confronted when our spirit is wrong, our behavior is wrong. And I just want to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? I hope I'm always honest with you. i got to break my habit of saying that. We live in a time when people can't handle reproof. They get offended. You need to be willing to accept it. I have to be willing to accept it. And you need to be willing to accept it. Now we have to do it in the right spirit. But the word of God reproves us. Correction. Not only are we told where we're wrong, but we're told how to make it right. Are you willing to listen? And instruction in righteousness to keep it right. That the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Everything I need and you need for every responsibility and role that I've been assigned to by God himself. Everything that I need to do that job is furnished to me through the ministry of the word. That's why at Tabernacle Baptist Church, we're going to continue to preach the Bible because the Bible meets the needs of the lives of God's people. Listen, I'm not 
educated enough, smart enough, sophisticated enough to sort of spin around the room and find out what everybody needs this week and try to tailor my message to that. No, that's not my responsibility. Let me tell you what my responsibility is. My responsibility is to approach the Word of God and let God speak to me by His Spirit and then communicate not what I think or what the culture says or what you perceive that you need, but what God has written in His Word and proclaim it to you and let the Holy Spirit of God do His work in your life. I said I was winding down, but I think I'm winding up. Say, man, he's just he's just going on and on today. Well, just remember this: there's no evening service. <laughs> the source of divine. You guys are going to get stoned in a minute. I mean, they're they're going to take up rocks and hurl them at you. The source of divine truth. The sufficiency of it. I wish somebody talked to my you know my children about this. I wish. Somebody would talk to my husband about this. And I, I wish somebody would talk to my wife about this. You know what would be the best thing for all of you? If you just get in church and hear the Bible preach and let God change your life. You don't need pop psychology. And let me tell you where you find it. Let me, I, I just, I just got to say it. Can I say it? Well, I'm going to say it anyway, but I appreciate you you're not going to find it on social media or on Fox or CNN. We already knew that one. <laughs> so why do we neglect it? Dan Dixon taught our couples class the other night and on a Wednesday night discipleship group. And he referenced something that I've often said. We never come to a church service without a message. Never. Because as long as we have the Bible, we have something to say. And every time that we neglect the assembly, we miss an opportunity to hear what God has to say to us. And I think if we would begin to value that God is speaking to us through His Word, then we would surely think in our hearts, I don't need to pass this up. Well, I need a nap. Well, maybe you do, but not on the Lord's time. And not at the expense of missing out on what God has for you. I need to go to the lake. I mean, I've been under pressure lately, and, and I understand that, but Sunday is the Lord's day. We do what we want to do. We do what's important. You see, Timothy was concerned about this culture in Ephesus. It was wicked. And he was under great persecution. And he had problems, physical problems, stress upon his life. And Paul said to him, look, if you want to see these people change, if you want to, if you want to be freed from all of this stress and burden, there's only one thing you can do. You can put your confidence in the Bible, the Word of God, and you can preach it. And it is the thing that has the power to change people's lives. So he says in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, we're already living there, are we not? But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. 
The Lord says in the book of Jeremiah, the prophets, they, they, they'd speak, I'm paraphrasing, the, the, the prophets just speak lies to people. And, and the Lord said, my people love to have it so. They want to hear that because it makes them feel good. Because it somehow, somehow excuses them in their minds, although deep in their hearts they know better, of their actions. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. They shall be turned unto fables. And so because of that, he says, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Are you going through some afflictions? Endure them. Continue. Do the work of an evangelist. Let's get out into our community. Let's communicate the message of the truth of God's Word. Make full proof of thy ministry. May God help us to continue. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.